Welcome back to the Therapy Explained podcast. Today I'm joined by Alex Monk. Alex is an art therapist, psychotherapist, and EMDR practitioner. Hey, Alex. Hi, good morning. Uh, thanks for joining me uh, this morning, Alex. Maybe to start with the obvious question, what is art psychotherapy? Well, art psychotherapy is essentially a therapy which is using the image um, to heal um, from suffering, essentially. Um, but it's not only using the image, it's also um, working between a, a patient or client and a, a, a trained psychotherapist um, to carry out that work. So it's both, uh, both of you working together, but also the, the image that comes up. And when you say image, that means it's confined to the drawing, but I, I, I assume that it can maybe manifest in lots of ways, not just an image. Absolutely, that's right, absolutely. So it may, I mean, I guess it comes up in settings beyond art, art therapy anyway, you know, with things like metaphors that come up all the time in everyday speech. Um, but yeah, in an art, in a sort of more formalized art therapy setting, it, it would be a visual image such as um, painting or drawing, um, the use of clay, um, so, sometimes sand tray figures like miniatures that go into a sand tray to represent um, people or things, you know. So it can be very, it can be other forms of 3D kind of images that people might use, you know. So it can be collage, it can be any number of uh, media. Um, but the, the ultimate thing is, I guess, is to symbolize, symbolize what's in the imagination in some way. That's really interesting. It's something I never thought of before, because I suppose we might think of art uh, in uh, maybe the traditional or more commonly known sense as being what we draw or what we make. But I suppose the boundaries around which we can define art can be so broad. As you say, it can be mm. like metaphors. It can be the spoken word. Um, mm, but mm, mm. but most commonly with art therapy, it would be those more classical forms of making things, either drawing or yeah, creating. That's right. I mean, I, I guess um, more, some, some therapists, I was going to say, more technologically advanced than me would be using perhaps uh, some digital media now as well, which I haven't done myself, but that's worth obviously thinking about too, with all the advances there with iPads or and um, phones and so forth. So that's the edge of our therapy nowadays. But if we were to think about how and when and where it developed, is that mm. possible to answer? Because I suppose we've done art for uh, before we could probably even speak. But in its formality, how was art therapy? That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think it's definitely, I, they're definitely worth uh, mentioning, you know, those cave paintings in France that, you know, prehistoric cave paintings that, uh, that you've probably seen that, you know, are these uh, very early kind of depictions of something that we don't, well, we don't know exactly what, what they were depictions of, what they actually meant, what they symbolized, despite what we might project onto them. Um, and then, of course, you know, with shamanic practices, all kinds of, you know, art has been used as a therapeutic tool in non-formal and formal settings for a, a very long time, for millennia. Um, but in terms of the actual formal art therapy movement, um, I mean, so I guess I would know most about the UK. Um, it started 
around the 30s, I think, with a guy called Adrian Hill. And um, he was an artist and he used to, he used to um, uh, write books. Um, but it was very much art as therapy. So art was the therapeutic tool, right? Um, and that continued with a guy called um, Edward Adamson. Um, and he used to work, he used to run groups with, as Adrian Hill did, I believe, to run groups with um, people who, again, would be drawing, painting as a means to, as a means of therapy. But there was little intervention by Hill or Adamson, right? They weren't, they weren't really, they, they might have a look, they might speak to the people in the groups that were doing the, the paintings, um, but they weren't actually doing interventions as we may think of them today as therapeutic interventions, right? Um, that started a bit later when, and then art, and then so the art as therapy kind of mutated into art therapy, which became um, more psychoanalytically informed. Um, so the therapists were making interpretations about um, the patient's work, um, and. I think that that um, particularly Hill wasn't so happy about that because he felt that that was a kind of corruption of what art art therapy should really be. Yeah. So, uh, and I think so. These days, there's different kind of schools of art therapy and different perceptions. I think later on we might speak about interpretation, but you know, on how much how much intervention there should be. Um, in terms of that, that's always a contention, contentious issue. So it would have developed naturally via using art as a form of healing, and um, but yeah. then different way, different forms of therapy have aligned with it to to try and use it as uh, in a more formal setting. That's right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, maybe it's something about obviously there's always a drive for it to be legitimised and clinically recognised, isn't there? So there needs to be. In that sense, perhaps there is that drive always for the intervention, um, you know, working in like hospitals, uh, prisons, forensic settings where art therapists tend to ten have tended to traditionally work. You know, there is a there is a therapist that will be doing interventions which are based on that clinical population. So, yeah. And what type of um, therapy would you align yourself with to, to go with your art therapy? Yeah, um, so I'm trained as an integrative art psychotherapist. Um, so that's incorporating both psychodynamic and humanistic elements into into the practice. Which, which I mean, I'm very I'm I'm very interested in psychoanalysis, um, and uh, so I, I guess I do lean more towards the kind of object relations side you know, of, of art therapy, um, the psychodynamic side, thinking about people's developmental history and how that, that relates to, to the work that, that they're doing. Um, and obviously that, you know, Melanie Klein's ideas on unconscious fantasy, for example, are very helpful in terms of thinking about the unconscious and how, how the image relates to the unconscious, right? So, what's hidden from us, what's latent. I mean, that goes back to Freud, of course, what's latent is. So the, the image is, is, always a, is always a very helpful way to bring that out um, because it kind of 
circumnavigate some of the typical defenses that we all have. Um, but on the other hand, you know, the humanistic side, you know, the human potential side of, of humanistic therapies such as Gestalt psychotherapy, uh, um, you know, that, that's inspiring, you know, like from the 60s, those kind of therapies, because, you know, there's a sense of creativity, of, the, you know, potential, of flourishing, you know, that because ultimately this is a creative medium. So obviously that's, you, you want to bring that out in the, in the person as well as part of the healing, right? You don't want it to be entirely sort of this kind of monochrome gray um, thing, you know? So um, I think that, 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 so I still, I guess in that sense, I am very much integrative, yeah. Mm. So both looking at um, how the subconscious can play a role um, mm. and also how the more uh, humanistic approaches where it's about uh, maybe individuation or compassion mm. towards uh, the individual. Uh, Absolutely. You object relations. Can you just explain what that means, Alex? Yeah. So, so basically when we're, when we're children um, or, or infants, we, uh, we have relationships between ourselves as subjects and, and objects which are our parents or our caretakers, other people in our um, attachment universe, if you like. And as we, as we grow and develop, we have um, representations of those objects in our mind. So represent an object of our father, of our mother, or whoever the, the, the person is that's taking care of us. And we, th those internalized representations, we carry on and we project onto other objects as we, as we go through life. And so we're all the time we're taking in from the, the external world and we're putting out into the external world. So it's this ongoing sort of loop of introjection and projection. So that, that's essentially what object relations is. And of course, the more, the more distorted, you know, with trauma, the more traumatized you are, the more distorted your object relations potentially are. And so that's a major, uh, potentially a major concern um, for, for people um, and can create problems for them in the relationships. So it's both, it would become like the lens that we interpret information through. So when we see things that may represent those objects that we internalize at a young age. And also yep. the internalized objects are almost a template with how we react or interact with others. Exactly. Exactly. So, so yeah, they, they, they would be tied up. I mean, this was taken for, you know, taken into another direction, a more sort of neurobiological direction with Bowlby and attachment theory, um, which... Um, and, you know, so these, of course, do have neurobiological and affective responses, you know. So we see somebody that reminds us of somebody who was mean to us. We're going to get an affective response mm. with that particular object representation. Do you see what I mean? And sometimes that might be very clear. Like if you had a bad experience with a certain type of person, then you might lump all those type of people into that box. But also there could be an unconscious or subconscious element to it. Would that be right? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So that would be that would be what you know Freud calls uh, transference, right? So, um, and that's again a big a big part of of working in in art therapy is is working um, with the transference. Art, most art therapists would work with that, which means 
the simply we use these flashy words like object relations and transference I mean essentially object relations is about relationships with other people and representations of them transference is the patient or the client's feelings about the therapist right who they may remind them on of you know so the therapist is perhaps an authority figure you know and they may remind them of a teacher or of, of a parent so the therapist is 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 perhaps thinking if they work with the transference is is thinking about what the therapist might represent and how they you know and then work with those things with with the client and also sorry also the the, the transference they would have a transference to the image as well right so they would have a particular if they create an image they would have, have particular perhaps object relations to that image as well right so they might have you know so you know this transference goes in art therapy not only to therapists the image too we spoke a little bit earlier about the development of art therapy and how mm -hmm. um, i suppose different schools of psychology have attached themselves to it is there a theoretical basis for art psychotherapy i guess it depends on maybe the school of thought that goes with it but i just think with you know a lot of more third wave or more contemporary psychotherapies so often they there's a there's a uh, there is a theoretical basis as they try and promote their therapy, you know, based on the, in these kind of grounded um, theories or grounded in these theories. Is that the same mm. for art psychotherapy? So what, how do you mean by theoretical basis? So let's say with uh, CBT, there might be a kind of a cognitive model. So Yeah, I see. Yeah, yeah. That's what, that's what I thought. Yeah, I, I guess it goes back to what I was saying before. So, you know, it, it's generally, again, it depends on the school. Um, but but um, traditionally psychodynamic, which is psychoanalytic essentially, right? So working with it's just everything that I've just said. So that would mm. be the main theoretical basis, or the integrative model, which is the combination of the psychodynamic and the humanistic. Mm. So that's that's your two models there. And this would be very much just my own layman's um, interpretation of it. But when it comes to art, I suppose would true art be something that is kind of it's not prescribed or prepared in advance you know it's a it's almost something that emerges is that kind of mm. right is that what kind of art is you're trying to make sense mm. of what's on the edge between the known and the unknown and that's, absolutely mm, as opposed to maybe yeah. propaganda whereas people are just making something that you know they, they have the answers for already they're just propagating it and mm. um, and so that would be in a similar sense to what art psychotherapy is doing in a way because you're mm. trying to to bridge the, the gap between the subconscious and the unconscious and that presents in what the person makes. Is that right? Absolutely. So um, I think when people come in for, for a session, just to give you a kind of a non-abstract example, they may feel that the they're going to be all they may come with all kinds of preconceptions about understandably come with preconceptions we all do about what something is going to be um, and I think there may be the preconception that they're going to be directed as to what they might draw or what they might paint do you see what I mean and I think that closes down that unconscious element that that stops if the therapist says, well, why don't you draw this, then that's already closing down that, that process, right, of, of the unconscious being 
allowed to emerge in its own time. So for the image to emerge and also you're closing down all of the anxiety, which again might be useful, well, would be very useful to know about in terms of the therapeutic process um, that a person is likely to have that might be associated, you know, that, that, that emotional response to the particular problem that that person has or whatever it is in the unconscious that is defending against whatever trauma or um, experience that that person has had, right? So you need to be open to that and you need to be patient as a therapist. But that's not to say that sometimes I don't suggest things. I might say, well, perhaps you could, you know, if they're talking about a particular issue, I said, well, perhaps you could make an image of that, right? You could represent that here and now, you know. So it's really about deciding what intervention is best. But I think as a therapist, you've got to think about, are you doing this to calm your own anxiety as a therapist? Or are you, you know, so you're thinking about what's best clinically, right? Um, yeah. When it comes to doing the art, does someone's ability influence how effective it is? So someone who's very good at, you know, putting pen to paper or whatever it might be, um, does that ha have an outcome, a, a difference in the outcomes? I think that's an excellent question because, um, because yeah, it can. Re I think if you are an artist, it can be an inhibiting inhibitory inhibiting thing um because um you know it can be be a defense you're really good at something okay i'm gonna do this right and it, you've kind of got it down you know it's same with music therapy if you're a brilliant musician you know um so i think the less kind of good you are in your own mind at art um and the kind the better really because you'd be less, you'd have, you'd be less defended, and perhaps you could play a bit more with the materials because you don't have that kind of um, that in a way that handicap of technique. Um, you you can play be a bit more spontaneous. You don't have expectations of what it's going to be, you know. Um, but at the same time, there may be if you many many people have had bad. I find have had bad experiences at school or. But yeah, particularly in school-based settings with with people uh, where they felt that their work or with parents, families, where they, their work's been critiqued and they feel, you know, crushed by that. And then they, they've been told that their drawing wasn't very good. or And so they come with this idea that they're not good at art, that they can't draw. But you don't need to. I mean, and, and a lot of these, it's not true in a lot of cases. Um, people can anyway, but technique isn't an important part of it you know i think the more that you can play the more the the unconscious and your imagination like a child is is you know is is going to do its work for you and i, I imagine we all have this innate ability because we kind of have to to be able to be creative because it's a you need to be creative to traverse life because the environments mm. we're in change so we we must it must be a tool that we have um and so i imagine that we'd be you know if we give it enough time and practice we'd be able to tap into that resource mm. what kind mm. of what kind of people do you work with alex you know what kind of problems do people come mm. with you come to you for yeah I, I think a lot of people come with anxiety um there's a lot of anxiety around these days 
Um, and I think that's really understandable with the way the world is, you know, with this COVID uh, pandemic we have and all of the pressures we have in terms of kind of technology, the virtual world, um, people are having less relationships there you know everything is kind of representational in a way it's kind of alienating people so i'm getting a lot of kind of problems with that sort of thing in my practice you know social media um you know things related with that um a lot of trauma you know there's a lot of people coming with trauma i work with and uh, you know i also now practice emdr with people i can trying to combine that with some art therapy at the moment as well. Um, depression um, is another one. Um, so I guess they would be the main sort of three areas I'm working with. Yeah, I mean, I'm working in private practice. So yeah, they're the main thing people I work with populations wise. Can you tell me a little bit about what I'm not sure if this is even answerable, but what a typical art therapy session looks like, or maybe mm. you know generally what typical art sessions look like. Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess the typical session, the person will come in. They would probably, you know, uh, you know, it's difficult to generalize, but I'm going to give mm. you a kind of generalized thing. A uh, person will come in. They talk for I don't know, first 10, 15 minutes about something. They may not talk at all. Um, um, yeah, it depends on the person, really. Some people may talk, first of all, and then they might, you know, I might suggest that they they um, work with the art materials. Um, and then there's a period of art making. They may speak to me during that art making. They may stay silent or something in between the two. And then the last part of the session would be looking at the image and speaking about it. Um, and making some sense of it, I suppose, a, sim a further symbolizing process in a way um, mm. as, as the image has emerged um, and perhaps thinking about what's in, in the image, what's not in the image, what the image might represent to the person. Um, I think, you know, as with most therapists, uh, therapies, the, the idea is for the therapist to help to see what the person isn't seeing perhaps or what they see that the person doesn't see um, mm. um, and of course not in the kind of sort of I know better than you <laughs> you know the sort of way but just perhaps we you know we all see things that the other person doesn't see in that sense mm. other other people may just come in and 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 get get on and, and with the art materials and make an image from the outset you know so it, it does depend but I think they were the sort of two main avenues really mm. So the art therapist, it sounds like they don't necessarily analyze and interpret art, but if they mm. might see something that that person doesn't see, they might kind of make a, a gentle suggestion to, to see what their mm. thoughts on it is. I think, I mean, I think the idea that we don't interpret is, is not true um, because we do, I think, you know, but I think with I think you've got to be really careful. I think interpretations, I think you do something like interpretations in CBT as well, you know, where you're, 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 you're helping somebody to make sense of something. So you're, mm -hmm. you're putting forward a hypothesis of something, right? So I think if it's framed as a hypothesis, then that's what's really important. So you're positing an idea. You're not saying this is, you know, that train represents 
you know <laughs> this or that you know that car is this you know that that's kind of pat anyway isn't it it's ridiculous oh so it's you've used black there that's you must be depressed you know um obviously humans are much and the unconscious a lot more sophisticated than that um so yeah we've you know you've got to if you are going to interpret you've got to be careful you've got to think about it and it and it is a thinking alongside with the person um and not some kind of arrogant hubristic sort of oh yes i know what that 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 means this from your childhood you know that's kind of aggressive um and mm. I, I would say largely unwelcome in our profession so yeah yeah you are right that in cbt you would maybe make some suggestions or give your own interpretations of let's say common patterns that might emerge if someone is presenting mm. with say health anxiety you might be like oh well uh, i noticed that you you do this and um that it makes you feel like this and that it, it evokes these kind of thoughts and you might give them mm. a general kind of vicious cycle that they go through and suggest is this does this kind of sound like something that you might go through so that would be the the framework you'd be working off mm. what kind of where would you be drawing your interpretations from uh, alex when it comes to you know interpreting their act mm. well i'd be thinking about um obviously i'd be thinking about their their history uh, the developmental history and their their object relations that have become apparent as as the therapy is going on and how what they what they've actually the image that they've created and what they're telling me about the image and then perhaps i'd be wondering about what they're not telling me what 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 this image might represent so to kind of yeah, I wouldn't, as I say, I'd be bringing, I, working with the person to bring out the meaning. Um, and at that stage might say, well, this, this, that, that reminds me of when you said this about um, your, your father or when this happened with your, your brother. You know, that I might make some links or what you were saying about the other day when you were in that shop and you had that conflict with that person in the shop. You know, um, if there is something within the image that they recognize as say representing conflict do you see what i mean that that, mm. that i might make a link but they that needs to come from them first do you see what i mean i'm not going to look at sort of two people having a fight and saying oh yes well that reminds me of that shot the other day do you see what i mean it has it has first to be sort of come into the symbolic realm in the person in the patient or the client's mind before yours do you see what i mean and it or, or you can help them towards that um so it's got to be a kind of pre-symbolic or symbolic thing you can't sort of violently drag it out of the unconscious and say it means this do you see mm. what i mean mm. it, what came to mind for me there was um with emdr therapy so eye movement desensitization reprocessing when you are in the assessment and the processing stage of emdr and mm. there's an emphasis on kind of just letting whatever comes up comes up don't try and force anything don't try and you know uh come up with the thoughts one way it might be described if it's the back of the brain therapy rather than the front of the brain therapy so the front of the brain is the thinking brain we're letting the mm. back of the brain just stuff kind of emerge and that's really important part of the process kind of just um letting whatever happens happens um and it makes me think about with art therapy is that kind of what you're hoping as well you know for don't try and think of something to draw just let whatever comes up come up absolutely that's that's a really good point i think yeah that kind of back of the brain thing you're talking about is 
is what the the art therapist is is wanting to access because those things are going back to what's hidden from us the un unconscious fantasies um, that are kind of bubbling away in the unconscious and might be causing a great deal of anxiety or psychopathology if you want to call it that um, that is causing the person problems so you you want to kind of bring that out and so that you it, it can be something that's thought about rather than you know literally just stuck there and and and, and running the show you know um and and sort of ruining ruining relationships for that person um so so you want to you definitely want to bring that out and so some people might use techniques some art therapists and i've done this myself in the past where i've asked people to use their non-able hand for example um to to create an image so that they are not using that cognitive intellectual mind or brain to to do that and the, um, that can be a really great way to sort of get that playful body-based right brain or or back brain unconscious whatever you metaphor you want to use to 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 bring that out you know to so that they and 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 almost always they'll they'll see something within that image that they've created with their non-able hand mm. um, yeah that's really interesting alex it makes me think about in different types of therapies maybe you think of ego states so that the psyche is made mm. up of multiple subpersonalities rather than one predominant one or, or a singular personality and um, it mm. makes me think about i wonder if you know if our if looking at it from a um a sub a, a parts perspective if mm -hmm. our right hand is connected to one part and maybe our left hand is connected to a different part of us so that we can access a different part of our, our brain a different part of our personality well absolutely that's i mean there's an excellent book um i don't know if you've read it ian mcgillchrist um and it's the called the master, master. and mm. yeah his emissary yeah mm. and it's a brilliant book because it it shows how the you know the right brain is all about global awareness right it gives you that global awareness whereas the left brain is purely about kind of detail and just focuses too much you know anyway i won't go into his whole thesis but yeah he he shows how it's tied up right you know the the, the, the left hand is tied to the right brain and the right hand to the other brain. I don't know how that works for people who have the inversion of that, but the, essentially the non-able hand um, is tied to the, the part of the brain which is image-based play, mm. you know, feelings. Yeah. Mm. And I haven't read the book. I listened to one of these podcasts before where he destroyed it, so I have a very kind of rudimentary understanding of it, but it is a very interesting um taken it he seems to kind of really know his stuff and he puts a very good mm. argument forward for um the two sides of the brain and what each represent in that yeah we exactly. want to be aware of all of that um uh, you know I, i've got I'm not sure is it a theory but I, I do wonder sometimes if let's say cbt is is more effective for a certain type of person or a certain type of problem um mm. uh, just as much as counseling might be more effective for a certain type of person certain type of problem is art therapy do you know is it ha does it have a certain presentation or uh, do you certain type of people you feel um uh, get the most out of it mm. that's a good question it's i think it's difficult to kind of nail it down uh, i would say because i get so many different kinds of people um i think that generally people who who come to, you know for art therapy they are um, often they have an interest they have a relationship to the art in some way or the images you know they may have had 
experiences at school which relate to art and um, they see themselves as creative creative in some way right and so they have a relationship to that um, but there's there's other people that I've um, worked with in a in more of a, a standard psychotherapy context and I've suggested you know people that we may say are more kind of cognitively minded you know um, say for example scientists or um, people from those kind of populations where they have more analytical um, kind of way of a way of being in the world as it were and I might suggest you know using um, the arts they're, they're then surprised you know about how much meaning um, that that work or that particular exercise brought to them they're, they're quite surprised because they're engaging that right brain element you know that that body base which they've become perhaps a little bit divorced from um, so yeah I think if I were to make a generalization that would be it um, I think I think art therapy I mean the the problem with art therapy is there's still so little research on it that's something we really need to kind of you know push more on in in, in this industry um, but certainly there has been some research which shows about the reduction of cortisol in the body you know um, so it, you know it, it, it really does I mean I see that every every day it does help with the reduction of anxiety symptoms so um, there's something about you know that connection with the right brain and the body which just kind of lowers that stress level. I can imagine it as a fantastic way of having another tool that you can rely upon post-therapy you know as like a form of self-care. Mm. Um, uh, it's something that over the years I've become more aware of it and how you need you need to have tools in your toolbox to be able to look after yourself um, mm. even the people who are in the, you know seem to be uh, as happy as could be I'm sure they still have things that help with that help to regulate their emotions and it seems like geez that could be a real strength of it to tap into that side of things and it's something that when I was in school I did a bit of art but I fell out of it but I could definitely see myself getting back into it um, at some stage um, any other strengths that you might say of that art therapy has? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think the 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 main strengths are that it, it or its connection with the imagination. You know, this sense of possibility of of play. You know, that um, its connection with the unconscious, as you mentioned earlier, this Jungian idea of individuation um, that the image image contains um, within it always contains a particular wisdom um, that may sound quite grandiose but it does contain a particular wisdom for that particular person that can offer information that is out of their has had been hitherto out of their awareness right so I think that's the key thing and as as Winnicott said um, he made you know, Winnicott was a, a pediatrician worked a lot with children and maybe the most famous child psychoanalyst um, and he um, he made the emphasis on play you know and he had a thing called the squiggle game where he would work with children he'd do a little squiggle and he'd pass the paper to them and they'd do a squiggle and they'd pass it back this kind of intersubjective sort of game um, from the sort of this sort of work that Winnicott did these kind of studies with children um, he came to realize that play is so important um, and people who've been traumatized often haven't had the you know they often can't play because of the trauma so art therapy helps people to to be able to play again 
So it becomes a way of reintroducing the play element and play is creativity, right? So that has all players flourishing in the world. So it has all kinds of positive aspects to it from that from that uh, perspective. Mm, and yeah, there's uh, that that can be so important, and I, I think it's, uh, it can be almost endemic in society where we put too much emphasis on productivity and work, and we don't see the other side of that coin being playing. Um, uh, you know, it comes up in other forms of uh, neurolo- neurobiology. I think of um, a guy called Yak Pangtsep, um, mm. who discovered the play circuitry in, That's in right, yeah. rats or mice, I think, and he mm. found that um, that you know if you get two rats to play, um, that the 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 big one will almost always win if it wants, but then if it keeps doing that, the small one will stop playing. So maybe ah, one or three okay. times it will let the small one play because maybe that's best for everyone. That, okay, I'll lose every now and again um, so that you can win. I think he talks about maybe ethics emerging out of that, which is also similar to, um, mm. uh, I'm trying to think of the other psychotherapist. It doesn't come to mind right now. But yeah, play is a huge thing that, that comes up, uh, I think, across all dimensions. Um, sure. One other thing that uh, makes me think about art psychotherapy and how it could be helpful is the fact that it's nonverbal. You know, traditional talk mm. therapies, um, you know, we're kind of talking through things where with art therapy, uh, you can reach people who are nonverbal or also maybe have a lot of difficulty opening up about things. Maybe it's a, a gentler approach to approaching a subject. Yeah, absolutely. Indeed. Yes, I think definitely with people who are nonverbal or um who have difficulty in terms of expressing themselves verbally, um, cognitively, if you like, definitely. And um, it can be also, you know, the the image becomes a way of expressing something that words can't say, essentially. So, yeah, yeah. So we've talked about some of the strengths. What might be some of the critiques of Mm. um, art therapy? Yeah, I think... I think the 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 main thing I can think of right now is is the paucity of research, the evidence base for it. Right, I think um, with with CBT, there's a lot of research, for example, on that. Right, but but art therapy, there isn't. So I think as that's something that, as I said earlier, that 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 um, there needs to be more investment in. But obviously, that has a political element to it as well right you know what kind of things do we want to invest in as a society you know so the this the, as you said before the the productive society that we live in on that you know we, of course we need to produce things um but you know so i think that you know from different perspectives um that has lots of implications but i think yeah that's the main issue with it is like proving its effectiveness i mean there's lots of anecdotal evidence from art therapists such as myself and my colleagues but yeah i understand why people wouldn't see that as necessarily enough it is tough um to for because so much of funding nowadays is based on evidence that Mm. you can i guess you get into this spiral where you fall behind where those other therapies get funded more and they've got more evidence and so yep. on. And um, Jean Piaget was the, the psychologist that I was thinking of. Oh, yeah, to Piaget, play, yeah. Should anyone um, want to uh, look up that a bit more? Um, yeah, definitely. The fascinating, fascinating guy. Yeah. And um, if anyone was to uh, want to find a, an art therapist, where might they look? 
Okay, so an art therapist's best place to look would be the British Association of Art Therapists. You can check out their webpage um, or you can look on the UKCP. I mean, I mean, in Ireland, I don't know. Are we, are we talking about Ireland as well here? Are we talking um, globally? Are we talking let's UK? say the UK at least, because I know that's your jurisdiction. You might have a better idea of that. But yeah, okay. Sure. Yeah, sure, mm. sure. Um, it'd be good to hear from colleagues in Ireland, actually. Art therapist colleagues, maybe, after this podcast, I'm thinking. But anyway, um, yeah, UKCP, um, which is um, my accrediting body for counselling psychotherapy. Um, the British... British Association of Art Therapists, which is BAAT, um, but you know you can Google art therapists. If they, if some, the important thing is if someone's calling themselves an art therapist, art therapist, unlike psychotherapists and counsellors, we have to be state registered, right? We have to, we, we have a protected title. So if anybody calls themselves an art therapist and they're not registered by the Healthcare and Professions Council in the UK then they're not an art therapist and that's actually illegal, right? Because we do a long training, um, which is really um, rigorous. Um, and so obviously, you know, ethically, it's important that, that that title is protected, right? So that you're not just kind of do a one day course and call yourself an art therapist. That's pretty crazy, right? And dangerous potentially. So, so yeah, do look out for that if you're wanting to work with somebody. And if there are any rogue art therapists out there, watch out. That's right. Because yeah. Alex and is going to get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're coming to get you. Um, there's plenty of, um, that's not to say that, you know, counsellors and psych, plenty of counsellors and psychotherapists legitimately use art in their practice. You know, there's nothing wrong with that, but you can't call yourself an art therapist. Yeah. Well, that's everything for us today, Alex. Uh, thank you. That was extremely enlightening. And um, when I do start doing a bit of painting, I might send you on a few uh copies and might try and make a make sense of them fantastic i look forward to that james and uh, if someone wanted to get in touch with you themselves actually that makes you one more question um mm. how has art therapy um bridged the gap with online therapy i know you know it's been such a big mm. thing over the past year is that something that it's been able to uh to be done over online yeah i mean it can be done it is i do it um, I personally think I prefer to be in the room with somebody, right? I think it's it, there is a limitation to it, but it can be done, and I do do it, and there are ways of doing it, uh, and it works. Um, but yeah, it's just a, a personal clinical preference for for actually having the person in the room. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, that is the final word. Um, thanks very much, Alex. I really appreciate that. And if anyone wanted to get in touch with you how would they find you so the best the best place would be just to contact me via my website um which you can which is alexmonktherapy.com and you can go there and just drop me a line from there great okay thanks again alex all the best okay thanks a lot james good to see Cheers. you again thank you Bye bye